This is People of the Book with Janice Leibovitz. I am Janice Leibovitz. You are my People of the Book. And I hope you've all been staying safe wherever you are and taking care. It's been a bit crazy out there. My guest today is someone who I've actually been in contact with for quite some time but have never met. And I still haven't met her because she's in the Cape. And, of course, I'm home here in Joburg. Dominique Malherber, excuse my shocking pronunciation. Um, it's, it's a very English pronunciation, and I'm sure you can pronounce it a lot better. Dominique, welcome to the show. Hi, Janice. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I'm delighted to be here. Pronounce the surname and, for me. And your pronunciation is perfect because, in fact, I'm not Afrikaans, and neither, the, and neither is my husband. Um, although, of course, his father was Afrikaans, but he has always talked, you know, he's always said his name is Malherber and not Malarba. Okay. It is rather confusing. So I do say I'm, I'm Malherba. Yes. Okay. Great. So just a bit of background. Dominique, we're going to be discussing your fascinating book, Searching for Sarah, the woman who loved Langenhoven. And I know that you, you did um, previously chat to Cherise Zeffert about the book, but just a bit of background about you. You are actually an attorney with a master's in, in tax and commercial law. And you did spend several years in, in practice in the legal and corporate world. But then after the birth of your, your fourth child, you lectured in law and, um, you, you've done some editing. But, but what interests me more is the two books that you wrote. Um, you, you wrote a couple of, of your own memoirs from courtrooms to cupcakes in 2014. And then somewhere in between in 2018. So I'm always fascinated um, by people who leave the corporate world. Well, you haven't actually left the corporate world, but I'm always fascinated by people who, who have these corporate backgrounds and who then go on to write books. So tell me a bit about that. I think there are a lot of us like that, I have to say. And, and, you know, one never really knows where you're going to end up. I, I always imagined that I would be a lawyer and I would stay in law and I would have two children and have a normal family of two children and just, you know, carry on with my career. That, that I have, I have to interrupt you because this concept of a normal family just makes me laugh. What is a normal family? <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know what a normal family is. But put it this way, a reasonably sized family. I, I imagined that... I would do, I mean, my mother was very instrumental in, in, in sort of my life choices, as it were. And then, of course, became became the reason that I think I started writing it is because she was in law. So she was my, she was the role model for me. And, and, and I had a sister, so there were two children. And she continued in her career and she did very well in her career. And and as I say, it was always the role model. And then, And when I then started with my own family and for various reasons ended up with four children, and that's a story in itself. Um, I then, I then tried to understand, in fact, even before that, you know, even before that, you know, when I had my first child, I was, I, I was suddenly occurred to me that I'm not quite sure how I'm going to do this thing, this life thing in law and, and raising children. So that really was the beginning of my writing career was, you know, with the birth of my first, my, my son, um, who is now 20, nearly, at that stage, I was still involved in law, and then I had a second child quite soon thereafter. And and then for various reasons, I had two these two young children at home, seventeen months apart. My husband had sort of changed careers, and 
it just didn't feel like I should be the one going to the office. He was not the kind of house husband that, you know, I think these days there seem to be more of, although I still think that they're an exception more than a rule. Uh, but it was certainly that not, it, it, it wasn't going to be a complete role reversal in our family. So it felt appropriate that I then also leave the corporate world, which I did. And then I had another two, but I always had this feeling that there was something more in law to do. And in fact, I still feel that, you know, there are days when I just feel that I want to contribute in a more significant way in the legal world. And I'm, and this is my constant ambivalence through my, throughout my life is, is this, this torn between sort of mothering and, 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 and a life in law, which I don't think you can really do justifiably when you are doing both. And that has been the sort of theme of my two books, my two memoirs. Um, really the second one being more, um, not quite as, as personally focused, but trying to understand and grapple with the, the issues of women and work. And obviously I think now with this, with this pandemic, I think it's, you know, there's another whole dynamic that has emerged for women who are still doing the bulk of the child caring, but now have children at home. They're working at home and, and that whole, that whole dynamic of, of, of the sharing of the work load for me has always been an interesting one because personally I've, you know, I've battled with trying to do both. I certainly couldn't have sustained a, a proper career in law and, and done justice to the parenting of, of my four children. Or certainly that's, that's what I felt. So yeah, those are my themes of my first two memoirs. And then Sarah came along, which was a very different type of story. I've given you a long explanation, I think. <laughs> and we are going to talk about Sarah in much more detail after this. I love it when you read to me. This is People of the Book with Janice Liebowitz. I'm back with my guest, Dominique Malhoba, and we are going to be talking about her book, Searching for Sarah, the woman who loved Langenhoven. And I have to admit, um, I didn't pay attention in history. I am not South African originally. Um, I had to look up who Langenhoven was. Um, apologies to whoever I need to make those apologies to. Um, I didn't know who he was. For anyone who doesn't know who he is, he wrote Distem, our original South African national anthem. Tell me, Dominique, who is Sarah to you? Who was Sarah to you? Who is she to you? Um, first, let's let's have the nutshell version. Is there a nutshell okay. version? <laughs> let's let's first a take a nutshell version. There's a nutshell. So Sarah Sarah was the sister of my grandfather. So my grandfather, uh, my mother's father, Israel Goldblatt, um, was the only grandparent that I knew. I had uh, my my grandmother had died, and my father's parents had both both none of them were alive when I was born. So my grandfather was my only um, grandparent, and it was his sister Sarah. Uh, so my great aunt, um, who died when I was nine years old, um, and in fact lived. In the Cape, we lived in Johannesburg at the time, so I didn't know much about her at all, other than that she had had a very strong link and affiliation to Langenhoven, who I have and to did admit. You, did you know? Did you know who he was? Did you have? I did know. I did know. I, I, I knew very little. I knew that he was a fascinating character. I knew that he wrote Distem. That's what that that's his sort of claim to fame for the layperson, um, and. 
Uh, other than that, I knew that he was a prolific writer. I didn't, I didn't know that he was a parliamentarian at the time. I didn't understand, I didn't know that he had a legal background. I just knew that he was a writer and a poet and a lyricist of, of, of sorts. So no, I didn't know enough about him at the time, but I, I did know that he was a, a fairly well revered uh, figure in Afrikaans literature. Um, and I knew that the connection with him was was an important one. And I knew that that she had somehow been entrusted to take care of his works when he died. So so that's my nutshell. Janice, that's, the nutshell. <laughs> that's the nutshell version. And and had you met Sarah? I mean, I know you I were really young. Yes, I was. I'd only met her once, which I recalled very briefly. Um, we had come to Cape Town on a holiday and, and I think we must, I think we met in Hermanus. That's what the memory seems to serve. And she promised me a book on whales, whales being the, the, the kind that live in the sea. And that never emerged. But other than that, I, I never met her, but I, you know, I knew of her through sort of family, family gossip, I suppose. Yeah. But I'd okay. only met her Which, Okay, so that leads me to my next question. The family gossip about mm. Sarah. So so you knew that there was something about her. The family spoke about her in, in a certain way. There were things that were spoken about in the family, and there were things that were said about her. And obviously, as a child, you know that there's, you know, that every family has a black sheep. And was she the black sheep? You know, no, I, no, I can't say that at all. And in fact, it's almost not even accurate to say that, you know, we sat around chatting about Sarah. You know, it's not as if she assumed, um, I don't remember many conversations about her, you know, as a, as a young girl. I just knew that she was associated with Long and Heaven. That, that was the only overriding thing that I knew. My, my interest with her came when I started, when I was in fact writing my second memoir and I was looking at the, at my roots and why I sort of am as I am and, um, and started exploring the background and, and her father. So my grandfather's, um, father was the one that I was looking for because there was something, there had been something written about him. He, he wrote books. He was a Yiddish. He was interested in the, in, in the development of Yiddish. He was an East European. He was born in Poland and came out and, I found something online about him. And whilst I was doing so, I, it suddenly struck me that his daughter, Sarah, was actually also a fascinating character. So it was only recently that my interest in Sarah was, was really piqued in terms of looking at family. So when you, you know, when one says, you know, as a family, we spoke about her, we, we didn't really, we didn't. And, and I think that's, that's the thing that has become, you know, through the writing of this book and, and, and whatever is, it's really hit home is that we very seldom know much about our ancestors and what they've gone through. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's only through, you know, researching and a bit of history and, 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 and asking the questions that we come to know the things that really are meaningful or, or why, you know, why we are, as I say, the way we are, we are all part of our genetics. You know, we are all from somewhere. And I think it kind of helps to identify who we are. I agree with um, you. And, and so, often though, we don't know what to ask and we don't know who to ask. And by the time we realize what we should ask, yeah. the people that we should have asked are gone. Exactly. And of course, <clears throat> you know, as it, one, one has to always put this book into perspective in terms of a time frame. We didn't, there was a, you know, disclosure of family 
um, in, in discretions or whatever were not as open as they are now. Right. You know, I mean, if you look at the, if you look at the narratives and, uh, and the memoirs of things coming out now, particularly women's stories, and there's one, there's one I'm thinking of at the moment, a collaboration of, of Sue Yarty's about women's stories. Yes. You know, it's very much the theme of the moment where women are starting to tell their stories. And, and I think, you know, in times gone by, those stories were kept under wraps. People didn't want to disclose the life that they led or the affairs that they had or, you know, whatever this, you know, whatever happened to them. They, those were secrets. And, um, and I think there's still a little bit of, um, hesitancy on, on the part of some, which is possibly why I encountered a little bit of gatekeeping in the story as I did. And of course, that's a cross-cultural thing. Um, so yeah, I think, I think it's important to understand that, you know, whatever happened at the time was because we were dealing in different times. This was the beginning, early twenties, thirties when women's roles were different and men's perception of women was different. So, you know, we are changing. The, the, you know, the human, the human species develops um, in, in so many different ways. I, I mean, if you think of how we've, we've changed in terms of our family units, you know, it's fascinating to me to see a sort of a pr- progression um, of, of just family dynamics and, and what's Very acceptable so. and what isn't. Yeah, very much yeah. so. And I know the book, I mean, obviously is about Sarah and, and, and her relationship with, with Langenhoven and with his family and with, with his work. But mm. before even getting into that, there was the issue of, of her relationship with her father. Yes, exactly. Well, you know, and that's, that's a very uh, kind of un, unresolved issue, in fact. Yes. Um, and it makes me want to, I don't know, you know, part of me wants to explore it a little bit further because I think he must have been a fascinating person where the, you know, the allegations of, 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 of abuse of her were, were, were well founded or not, but no one can tell me, you know, again, it's one of those things that are unresolved. So there was an allegation, I think he was, you know, I think she was the oldest daughter in the family. And, and if you read the book, you will see that he, he always wanted to go to New York. That is where he felt that yes. his, um, his dream of fulfilling the Yiddish encyclopedias and, and his work in Yiddish uh, culture would, would be fulfilled. Um, so he, that was always his plan. But it seems as if he left under rather suspicious circumstances. And the fact that there was no communication with Sarah once he'd left was indicative of there being some underlying Something, you know, an animosity, uh, some kind of, uh, of of sensitivity there, which which is sad, and I think also, you know, adds to her story. And it's one of, as I say, one of those things that's unresolved. But all the family can tell me is that that he left, and no one other than Israel, his his son, only only by intervention of somebody else, uh, actually started communicating with him finally. But maybe um, uh, maybe that'll be your next. Uh... Yeah, there's so many loose threads to the story. And of course, I'd love to go to New York and see, you know, if there's sort of any evidence of the work that he did there, which is also quite interesting. Um, but yeah, so that was, that was, you know, it was not really, um, you know, I had to then, I had to look at Sarah's background in order to find out the person that she was. But the interest in the book was the way in which she had been, um, displayed or, or, or sort of assessed in terms of the biography that Kaname had written about Langenhoven. So that's 
that was the starting point of my research. I had to understand what it was, what was the public perception of Sarah, because that was very much, um, that, that, that was the, 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 the perception in the public was yes. what Kahnemeyer had written yes. about Sarah. Yes, we're going to definitely delve very deeply into that because um, there is a lot to say about the way he led her to be perceived. But mm-hmm. let's take a quick break. I love it. This is People of the Book with Janice Leibovitz. I am back with my guest, Dominique Malhoba, and we're talking about her fascinating book, Searching for Sarah, the Woman Who Loved Langenhoven. And as I said earlier, I had to look up who Langenhoven was. He was the very well-known, well, not to me at the time, but very well-known and very well-loved Afrikaans writer who wrote the original South African anthem, Decem. And Sarah was Dominique's great aunt, and she was entrusted with um, looking after his works, his academic work, um, after his death. So before the break, Dominique, we were saying that um, Kahnemeyer wrote Langenhoven's biography, and he actually relegated Sarah to... I won't even say the background because he didn't even put her in the background. He really relegated her to the depths of nowhere. He put her into a corner. He, he, he basically made her a nothing. And you've now brought her into the light. She was in the shadows as you, as you, you very beautifully said, and you dedicated the book, in fact, to the memories of countless women like Sarah whose lives were lived in the shadows. And Kahnemeyer really saw to that. And um, he he led many people to perceive her as so much less than she actually was. Why do you well, think I, that is? Well, this is, a, this is quite a loaded question, Janice, but because I think it's a, I think it's a complicated uh, question. Um, look, I think that uh, firstly we, we, we must – I think it's, it would be fair to say that he was, I mean, he, he, he didn't know what to do with Sarah, quite frankly. I think that, that's really the starting point. Uh, he was by far, and, and, and I'm not, I'm sure that still is recognized as one of the top South African biographers, uh, Kahnemeyer, and he, he's written biographies on, on Jam Kutsia and Van Vegler, I think, and many, many other South African literary, Afrikaans literary, um, well-known people. So, but, but men. He wrote about was, men. He wrote about men. Yes. Now, of course, that's that's the one thing is that here, you know, so so he couldn't he couldn't avoid writing about Sarah because Sarah was absolutely intricately woven into the life of Langenhoven, and that's why if one, you know, so so when you look when you start reading the biography of Langenhoven, Sarah starts, he starts with Sarah and he ends the book with Sarah. He starts with Sarah on the very first page and the first four chapters and he ends with her. And she is mentioned throughout because she was, as I said, completely involved in his life. But of course he sees Sarah from a very different perspective. So whether he relegated her, um, I think it was just a perception that he had about Sarah and, and linked to that, you know, one's got to understand the various parts of him and her that, that would have affected him. So firstly, he's Afrikaans and there's this whole, uh, and she's this young Jewish woman. Um, 
And there was, of course, feelings of anti-Semitism then and, and, and possibly still, I think. Well, we all know that those feelings are still there. Yeah. So I think that had some part to play in it. So you're dealing with a young unmarried woman who assumed a very important role in his life, which he couldn't deny. Um, but I think it was hard to accept that she played any role in his life more than perhaps Kanamea would have wanted to see or want, you know, um, and, and he tried to reconcile the academic work that she did for him, uh, with the personal relationship. And, and, and I think it was hard to, and, and, you know, no one can tell you why he dealt with her as he did. I think one can only speculate. But I think it's, I think that there was, there was a sense of, you know, the, the age old patriarchy coming through, um, women's stories not being relevant. But of course, he wasn't writing about Sarah. And that's one, something that one's always got to bear in mind. So as much as we can criticize it, that was not the focus of his biography. But I do feel that, that the, that the tone in which he expressed, um, you know, any comments about her was always disparaging. And, and there were many ex- extracts that I explored where she was quoted out of context and he, the stories that he told were not the best stories about her. You know, despite there being a very complicated relationship with, with her and, and the extended Langenhoven family, the Brummer family, which I understand. Um, but it just felt, it felt unfair that she should be portrayed in this light. And, and that's really why I felt it was my duty to, to explore the personal side of her life. To give another perspective, really. He, he kind of made out like she was trying to, to steal the glory from Langenhoven, which, I mean, she never would have been able to do. He tried to cast her really in a quite a disparaging light. Well, it certainly felt so for me. And, 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 and my, my, my thoughts have, were confirmed in, in various other, you know, readings on it. And, and obviously, and obviously now subsequently too, but it's, it was, there was, very much a feeling that, yeah, she also wanted to, you know, apart from trying to dismiss her as, as, as not being really important enough in his life, um, he tried to, yeah, he, I think he tried to insinuate that, especially with the Langenhoven industry in 1973, which was the centenary celebration, she went, I mean, she was, she was completely obsessed with, with trying to keep Langenhoven's legacy alive. And she went to extraordinary lengths in that year to, you know, and, and, and did sort of create all kinds of theatrical things and dramas and schools and, you know, flag flying and wreath laying ceremonies. And I mean, she went to Kira, as they say in Afrikaans. <laughs> um, but, uh, one has to think, well, why? Why would she do that? You know, it's all very well being dedicated to somebody, but to think of the extraordinary lengths that she went to. For that year in particular, to commemorate Langenhoven, there has to be a reason. And that was what I wanted to get to the bottom of. Why was she completely so obsessed with this man? And that obviously had to do with the relationship that she had with him, other than being his editor and proofreader and and part inspiration for some of the work that he did. You know, um, there was a whole personal side to the relationship. And that was obviously something that I wanted to explore because it, from the rumors that I'd heard from the family, there was a little bit more to the, her just being, um, you know, his executrix when he died yeah, and, yeah. and his editor while he was alive. Yeah. And, but, but Kaname really dismisses, dismisses all that. He dismisses the role she played in his family. I mean, it wasn't even just him. It was his wife as well. I mean, Froki. 
his wife. Yes. I mean, she was yes. she was a dear friend to her. She yes, really yeah. was. She 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 was part of the family. Um, you know, she referred to to Langenhoven, Langenhoven as as the chief, and he referred to her as as uh, his sub. But Froki referred to her as our sub. She was yes. she was there part of their family. She she really had her role, um, and and she she really was part of them. And Kanama dismisses that completely. As you say, he really wanted to discount the fact that she was anything other than professionally involved. Yeah, I, th- I think so, and that's possibly also why it was difficult. Different perspective of her, of her because she she was almost. She, she almost distanced herself from her own family, from the Goldblatt family, um, which is why we don't know the stories. Right. You know, and, and, um, but, but, but that's really why I was so intent upon I'm trying to understand the tone of the letters that they wrote to each other. Um, because she was clearly an extension of, of the Langenhoven family. Um, more so than of her own family. And in, and even her own relationship with her mother was, was an interesting one. Um, and one could only, Again, speculate on, on, you know, what that relationship was like and how much of, 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 of what she had done in her life her mother knew about or her brother for that matter or her other sister. So yeah, it, it was interesting to try and understand, you know, the, 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 the role that she, that she played in the Langenhoven family. In the extended and, family. And let, let's, let's talk about the elephant that was always in the room. Um, let's, let's talk about the ch- the child. Was, was there a child? Well, you'll have to read the book. I, I've read the <laughs> book. Find the answer. <laughs> I've read the book. What, what is what is your opinion? Well, is I there you was the more, there? Where is this child? <laughs> I think after, since the release of the book, there has been so many things that have come out so of the book. So much speculation. And, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot out there. And um, now that people are reading the book, and I'm so pleased you've read it. Thank you for reading it. Um, I think that uh, to me, a lot, to lot. me at that point, it, it kind of took on um, a whole new, it really turned a corner, and I was like, this is like this, a, a kind of a, a mystery. It's become a mystery. It's not just a, yes. not just a memoir, yes. not just a biography. Now it's become a mystery. Yeah, well, I think it is a little bit of that, and it's a mystery. You know, it still remains a little bit of a mystery, but it has been so interesting to 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 meet people that have come forward, that have contacted me and said, you know, we knew Sarah and. There's a particular thread that I'm following on at the moment um, because I really do believe that there is something there. You know, there's that age-old cliche: "There's no smoke where there's fire." Absolutely. What is more exactly? Is that right? There's yes, no, no smoke without no fire. No smoke without fire. Exactly. And um, you know, yeah, that's all I can say. I I, I don't know it, but there are a lot of threads that that I could that I'm certainly thinking of exploring further. I mean, apart from from the fact of, of is there a child, is there not a child, possibly a child, before that, and I'm saying it turned a corner and took on a whole new um, level, was it a mystery? The letters that you, you mentioned before, you, you needed to find those letters. That was a, the whole new, you, you had to track those down, you had to find them, you, you met with um, confrontational librarians, <laughs> I've never thought of librarians in that light before, but you you... You really met with, um, yeah, a librarian who, who one day didn't want to help you, then one day came and said, Oh, can I help you with anything? I found that hilarious. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, all of that, 
apart from that, obviously there was, did you ever think this was going to cause some type of controversy? Obviously. Oh yes. Oh yeah. No, I knew, and has it? I knew, well, yes. Um, you know, I knew right up front that this was sensitive, sensitive information because I could, I could see from the, from the reactions, as you say, of, of you know, of, of the librarian for starters, you know, she said, yes, but it was a secret. You know, it was, you know, <laughs> these things were secrets. We're not supposed to talk about them. Um, so I knew, you know, right in the beginning. And then of course, there were complexities within the, within the extended Langenhoven family because I think Sarah was a thorn in their side without, you know, in, in, which I say in, in, in the broadest of terms, I think she was a complicated figure for all of them. Um, she was the mistress of the grandfather of, yeah. of, of their yeah. grandfather. So that's number one. Um, and, you know, that has created complications. And, and I knew that in the Afrikaans literature, in the Afrikaans world, um, you know, I don't think that anyone really felt that she needed her place in history. And I kind of knew that. I sensed that, um, you know, with, with, with the followers of Kaname, those who are staunch followers of Kaname would, would not want, would not like this book. They would not feel you know any endearment towards this book so i did encounter that um in the beginning of, of of may when it was released and in the afrikaans media there were some very interesting reviews on the book um some sort of personal attacks which were quite hard to bear um but that's the the life of a writer and and, and you just you know grow broader shoulders um but yeah i knew that it was a, a fairly controversial book um because of the cross-cultural ideas of you know, this Jewish young woman, as I said, unmarried woman who had a, an important role to play in the life of the Afrikaans icon, Langenhoven. So that I knew. And I, and I was nervous about it. And I, I think that was possibly the reason that I wanted to take my own voice out of it. I didn't want to write it as a family member. I wanted that connection to be, um, blurred or not blurred, but, but, um, not emphasized so that it took on an objective meaning. Um, but I've been reassured that, that my subjectivity is, you know, not, not a hindrance to the book and in fact adds to the book. So yeah, I was very aware of that. I have to say, Janice, it was something that really struck me when I started writing as to how to write this book. Um, uh, but I felt it was an important one to write nonetheless. Definitely. And what about reactions from your own family? I know they've been absolutely delighted. Um, you know, I've got an extended family, the, the, the only sister, the only sibling of my mom. So obviously my mom was quite involved and it's also brought another whole dynamic to our relationship, um, which if you read my memoirs, you will see a very different side to. Um, but it's brought a whole different relationship with her um, because she was excited to work on this book with me. You know, she obviously added her little her recollections of it and she she read bits of it and she added her comments. She's a wonderful editor. She's a brilliant mind. So it was lovely working with her on it and I'd share some chapters with her and then she'd give me some comments. And so she, that was lovely. And then her oldest, the, the oldest sister, uh, Michal, who lives in, in Israel and that whole extended family, um, they've been absolutely amazed by it. And, and it really has brought, um, yeah, I think a lot of meaning for them, you know, in understanding who, who Sarah was for them because they've all obviously got their little parts of memory of her and, and really didn't know what her life was about. So it's added a lot 
to their 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 understanding of of family, and it's given them a different perspective as well. I've had people, you know, family members that I didn't really even know existed say, "Gee, this is amazing." You know, thank you for writing this book. It's 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 added a lot to my life. So there has been from the family side, it's it was it was rewarding. I must say. I just think yeah. how incredible for someone, for any family, to have someone in their family to be able to write a book about about mm-hmm. one of well, I'm 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 saying an ancestor. I mean, I always think of an ancestor of someone from hundreds of years ago. She's yeah. not really from hundreds of years ago. I mean, she no. she passed away in the 70s. I mean, that's not that long ago. Um, no. But I think that's incredible to have a, a, a book written about someone who played such an incredible role in the history of our country. And, yeah, well, and actually, you've written this book. It's ama- yeah. an amazing thing for your family to have. Well, I, I must say, I consider myself really lucky. I mean, I really do. I, I feel that, you know, when I look back on them, my, my family were clearly a family of writers. So her own, you know, it wasn't the first of a writer. So her father was a prolific writer. And my grandfather wrote the history of Southwest Africa. He was a, a judge in Southwest Africa. My mom was one of the first woman judges in the country and she's got her own story and she wrote about her grandfather. So there seems to be this continuation of this fascination with family. My poor husband said, Oh my gosh, are you ever going to, you know, are you going to stop writing about your family? And I said, No, they're fascinating. You know, I'm going to get onto his next. Do he wait and see? Um, but, um, no, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm privileged and I'm fortunate to have, that type of family that, that that have been a family of of writers and lawyers and and those are the things that inspire me to write. So apart from other things, you know. So yeah, but um, I am lucky in that respect. Absolutely, I think and, other people. And have, so is your family. Well, I think lucky. that they. Yeah, yeah. No, I think they've. I think they've they've enjoyed the story. We will be back um, after this, just for a few final words and a wrap up. I love it when you. This is People of the Book with Janice Liebowitz. I'm back with my guest, Dominique Malherba, and we've been talking about her book, Searching for Sarah, The Woman Who Loved Langenhoven. For me, Dominique, I think one of the most important words in this title and subtitle are, the most important word is a woman. You know, I think Sarah was known for the people who knew her. Um, She was known as the person who who looked after Langenhoven, she worked with Langenhoven, she was the one who was entrusted with his work after he passed away. She ensured that his work was known by so many. She took care of um, the centenary year, as you said, in 1973. You have tried to, in this book, and I think you've done an absolutely incredible job, you have wanted to get across her essence of her as a woman not just as an academic, not just as Langenhoven's sidekick, as someone who worked side by side with him, who was by his side, who was a member of his family, who was the sub. You have created a, a picture of Sarah as a woman. And she was, and I don't think people recognize that fact until you wrote this book. Well, I have to say, Janice, that's one of the loveliest um, comments that I've heard about it is that that's what she was, you know, and, and I think it goes to my, 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 my essence of, of being fascinated with women's stories. You know, I think as I, as I mentioned in the beginning, it's 
women's stories are starting to come out you know they're they're more prevalent than they were or they've certainly been taken more seriously um even women biographers in fact um are not that um, prolific and and i think that you know it's time that women's stories started being be, you know being afforded the recognition that they that they deserve so i i'm i'm so pleased that you that that was something that that appealed to you is that this is a woman's story because yeah it certainly is and i know that that's you know those are that's the thing that i'm interested in. it's in it's in women's stories so um but of course you know men men will also relate to you know to to the contribution that she made to south african afrikaans culture and literature and and to langenhoven and i think there's been a resurgence of 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 interest in langenhoven suddenly everyone you know i've seen so many comments about oh my word i've got his his collections and I'm going to reread them, and he was a fascinating um, writer, you know, really, really brilliant writer. So, yeah, I think there are many aspects of it, but of course, the fact that she was a woman is is, is central to 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 my issues and and my interest in writing. So, thank you for that. I just think that's important because I think, as I say, in in the in Kalamaz context, that was referred to as Kalamaz context, she was really ignored for who she was as a woman. Mm. And yeah. he, he ignored the contribution that she made in her own context. And she was mm. relegated just to being someone in his context. Mm. And that was the way he ensured that she was perceived. Yeah. And I think that the people who read his um, biography of Langenhoven will only see her in that, that context, which is what I think he wanted. And you've, yeah. you've really done her justice here. Good. Well, I, I hope so. I hope so, Janice. I mean, I think, you know, one can only write from a certain perspective and, and that was his perspective. And so my aim was really to create a different perspective. Um, and, and, and writing it just possibly as a woman would, would, would give it a whole different nuance as well. So yeah, I think, I hope I've achieved the many aspects of it. I hope. So yeah. what, what is next on the writing horizon for you? <laughs> Oh gosh, um, I've, I've got three potential projects that I'm, I'm sort of toying up, which to give priority first. Um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of always interested in the ethics side of, of law. I've sort of back in, in, in the, in the, in the academic world in a sense. And I've always been interested in the ethics, professional ethics of lawyers. I think just in terms of, yeah, just the country and, and, and the issues that we face all the time. And I keep thinking that the contributions there. Um, but I do feel quite strongly about sort of wrapping up the memoirs that I wrote and, and doing a third memoir there. There's some loose threads that I'd love to write about there. Um, so, yeah, and of course, the maybe, you know, the, the continuation of Sarah's story. So there are many, many projects on the horizon. I'm just not quite sure which which will grab my attention the most at the moment <laughs> with other commitments on the go. But, yeah. I hope to keep writing. I really do. So well, I really joy. hope you do. And I think for the people who read your first two memoirs, they'd love to see the continuation of those because they'd love to see where you've moved on from there, where your journeys led you after those first two books. <laughs> well, that'll be interesting. It's, it's, I mean, I find it more fast, you know, as you go on in life, as I'm sure you feel too, Janice, that your perspective of things changes. Definitely. You know, life changes and your, your stage in life changes. So, I find, yeah, it's always interesting that you approach something from a new angle. Yeah. I'll Definitely. That first. <laughs> Definitely. You change according to your age, your stage, the ages yes. and stages of your children. 
Exactly. Yes, we move on and we look back and we think, heavens, is that the way I thought at the time? You know, have I changed? Have I learned anything? Am I wiser? You know, so no, I think it's interesting. And in fact, I, you know, I think just looking at family, I feel that I want to, you know, I, I almost want to write a love letter to my mother, actually, in a way. So, um, you know, telling a different story there, too. So. Lots of things to write. I think about lots of things. Just need to write them all down. <laughs> well, we await that with great anticipation. Dominique, thank you so, so much for your time. Thank you for writing this book about Sarah. I think it puts a lot of things into very clear perspective. And I really think that she would have appreciated it. Well, thank you for having me, Janice. It's been really lovely to chat to you. And, um, yeah. Thanks again for inviting me and, and taking the interest in, 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 in the books and in Sarah particularly. Thank you so much for that. I'm it's, most appreciative. It has been such a pleasure. And for you, as I always say, look after yourself, take care of yourself and each other. If you can get vaccinated, go and do that. Wear your masks and read a book.